You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network. Okay, so welcome everybody. This is our second of our new series of podcasts, and we're going to do something different today, kind of experiment and see how this goes. We're going to do an actual psychotherapy session, and it'll be the first time we've ever tried to do that. And I will be with Ray Oldhofer, and uh, Ray's been around, he's been on different shows, and I've known Ray for a long time, and, um, and so I'm going to be, and Ray has seen me in therapy for quite a, a while. So this is going to be in kind of a new thing going on, I'm kind of excited at the possibilities where I'm going to um, actually do the therapy, but also pause and speak to the audience about what I'm thinking and what I'm trying, and I help the audience to get both parts. The second thing is, I want to say where I come from in this, so you'll have an idea of uh, something that Ray kind of knows, um, but for the audience, an idea of uh, where is this approach coming from. The approach comes from a kind of a mixture of uh, Indian spirituality, Indian philosophy, which just says that, um, that the two vehicles mostly in man is the vehicle of body and mind and the development of those two and but that's not the end of the development there's a third part called spiritual consciousness so their whole philosophy and spiritual tradition is to realize that we need to move past just uh, the mind body connection and move to whole other area so psychology in, the, in that tradition is to do with clearing the road for the possibility of uh, another level of consciousness. Where most psychotherapy stays with the first two and improves on it and clears the neurotic material for the use of one's life and so on. And that's fine. And this is also part of this work. But this work has a vision of another another step. And that's, that, uh, the philosophical person behind that psychology is Sri Aurobindo. Most people haven't heard of him, but he's a, a kind of a great poet and philosopher, an Indian that died in the, oh, the early 1900s, maybe 1930 or 40, I think, not sure. And the whole psychoanalytical underbelly of that will be Freud's 
unconscious and finding material below the surface level. So that's that's the idea. And um, also a picture of uh, the differences, for example, uh, the difference between to show the different possibilities that this philosophy would, would speak to is that the first part is the difference between, say, a prenatal fetus and an infant and the difference how far they are in any kind of reality. And then the difference between infancy and mental man. And this difference is as big as the difference between mental man and the next level of spirituality. So if you just took childhood and thought of thinking of adulthood, you'd say, wow, look at the difference. Look at the reality at this level. Well, look at the reality at this level. It's like two different worlds. Well, there's a third, just as big as these first two. So that gives you then the picture of it. Okay, Ray, so now let's, now we've kind of informed the audience of a little background. Let's, let's pick up with you and um, how did it all begin for you, the whole psychotherapy road? Well, prior to meeting, well, I've known you since I was a child, but prior to meeting you professionally, I had been to a couple of therapists who more or less worked on the first front of the body, you know, mind thing. And then I came to you when I was 30. Mm. That's. I came to you 17 years ago. Oh my God! And I didn't leave. Wow! <laughs> what a motivation! I guess. Well, I came to you. I came to you, and I had some troubles with the relationship and um, drugs and so on and so forth. And then um, I remember the relationship. I that was predominantly what I would talk to you about when I started. And then I said, you know, uh, Jim, I think I'm done talking about this. And your reply was one. And you said, good. That's all you said. And I went, I'm like, wow, there's... And that's, uh, it was so base, but I thought, like, w within that, there was so much to be had. And um, I, when I first started, I remember I was on a probationary period with you because you had mentioned that, you know, I've known you since you were essentially a child. And then... That was 17 years ago. Oh, God, I can't believe it. And I've been coming ever since. Right. Sometimes twice a week. Some, yeah. Most of the time Sometimes. once a week. Lectures, yeah. individual, and then you had a group for a while, and we did that That's for right. what, Forgot eight about years? That. Yeah. You ran mm -hmm. a couple of groups. Mm-hmm. That's right. So about you that. saved my life. We're done. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so all that really speaks of is a real bond and relationship. You know, sometimes relationships we didn't get earlier in our own life that had any real consistency and that there was a, a depth of involvement it just didn't happen. I know in my own life it didn't, and it doesn't happen for most of us. So from that the therapy can now begin to provide a fundamental base of relating and being that, that um, covers some of the developmental uh, holes of uh, parental, mother and father. And yeah, well, my, my examples of, like, mom, my mom, 
you know, both parents German, mom, farmer, you know, second class citizen all the way, German accent, you know, and that's, and I got a lot of that. Dad, on the lamb, cunning, mm -hmm. uh, storyteller, halfway bright, but, you mm -hmm. know, not really. So it's like I, I am the personification of what those two are. Mm -hmm. And then I came to you and I saw like, I saw my, my, my lie essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really opened me up, you know, cause I was all, you know, I, I got the physical attributes of my mother. So I always used that as a defense. And then, you know, I got the tongue of my father. So that in cahoots with being, you know, over the top obnoxious, didn't bode too well for fucking anything. And I remember when I would first start coming, well, actually, I was like two, three years in, and we were talking, and um, I had said some one-liner to you or something like that, and you were smiling, and you covered up your mouth. I go, hey, Jim, that was, you know, that was funny. What are you doing? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, this is, this is your thing. Mm. You, you called me out on it, and mm. I remember that I left your, that session that day, and I was walking around like for a week, going, "God damn, you caught me!" But that's you can do that every week, you know. I mean, but that was a big one for me to be mm. caught at that mm. level, you know, to be seen at that level and and vulnerable at that level, where you covered your mouth and said, you know, "Hey, put this away because it ain't right." I I really felt that. And that diversion was really working all through your life. And this is an example, and say for pause for a moment and the, to the audience, is that we have things that we do that we don't have an idea of or really an understanding of how that system is blocking us from what real relationship could possibly be. Um, so we all have some version of that. But you saw in that one time how you used humor all the time, and you know, there's not, not, nothing wrong with the humor. Uh, you are funny, and you think of funny things to say. Um, but we kind of caught together how that was used to block something else from happening. So it doesn't mean one never doesn't use humor. That's fine. I've, I've, I've laughed at things you've said over the years. But if it's something that's to be aware that something that's blocking it, and I can be conscious of it now, that I do that in maybe difficult situations where I'm trying to uh, let the heat go down, or particularly in relationship and with woman, and uh, now I see it now. So that something like that happens. But anyway, can continue. Yeah, a lot of that. I mean, especially in relationship for me. I mean, I never really had one until recently, you know, because I was on Pete and repeat the same type of relationships, where it was like I could run roughshod and do whatever I wanted and mm -hmm. thought that was great, but it wasn't so great. It was kind of exhausting. Right, what happened, do you think? You mentioned now the, relation you're the relationship you're currently in uh, with a woman, um, that somehow this is different. So seeing all you've brought, over the years, I think you brought three or four women in. That no. You were saying, yeah? no. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I, this it's way. Well, now you have to be more vulnerable and you're more on to yourself. So, mm -hmm. and the communication and 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 you know, with your guidance and help, you know, first of all, being open to help is a big deal. You know, and I really wasn't that open to it. You know, even though I would come to you for a couple of years and I'd say, all right, I'm, I'm good with this, but I never really, you know, it's just, it's just going at it and, and seeing what there is in the next layer of it. But in my relation, I'm much more honest now and I don't replicate so much of what I did in the past as far as, you know, what I saw my mother and father do to each other. I mean, they were just on a rotation of you know, feast and famine, or, you know, mom unhappy. And I mimicked that, and I did it rather well. So I never really have to be in it. And then when I put all that down, you know, I was much more present, but I was also more vulnerable, and that's a scarier way to be. So you really feel that difference of the kind of vulnerability that you're in and with this new relationship, relatively new, that something's really different. And it's, it's kind of an uh, accumulation of the work you have done, the consistency of coming, that something freed you to some degree where you are more open to now be more open with your friend now. And that's been the evolution of you in relationship with a woman in your life. Yeah, well, you don't even realize that you're not even prepared to have a relationship mm -hmm. at all. You know, you think, you're, you, think you got it. Mm -hmm. You think you have it down. I know how to fuck. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. We can mm -hmm. go out and get drunk. That's what you think. Well, you know, I'm just paraphrasing. But that's what relationship is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're probably wrong. And I was. I mean, and with this, with my current relationship, it's much... It's harder work, though. But to be vulnerable with her is... Um, it's worth the risk. Mm -hmm. But there is a risk to it. You know, coming to you is no picnic. Coming to you actually, you know, for a lot, it's feast, you know, it sucks sometimes because it's painful. But you're more the grateful for it later. And I have to say, coming to you, it's like you never, like I've been to you and I've told you pretty much across the board everything. And some things might even be on the delay, like my drug use in the past and stuff like that. But you never, you never hit me on the head with it, you know, like, you never, you made it very, you made it a great place to be vulnerable and to really check myself out. You've made that possible. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that was possible. Mm. You know, I'd much rather fight with my brother or dig a hole to China than come and see you, but it wound up being reverse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, I'm just gonna pause for a minute to say something the others as well. Ray mentioned about his relationship with his father and how it kind of felt counterfeit and unreal or no real trust and support in it. And this is not blaming his father, so he's not uh, no longer alive. But that's all he could have, that's all he had to offer was that. So when you got involved and you've been in other relationships, you had a couple earlier, a couple men earlier that you, particularly one man, Will. that you connected to. Yeah, Will Davis. Yeah, maybe just say, so from your father, you didn't come directly here. There was like one or two in between. Yeah, I didn't even know I was like seeking out a father figure. 
you know, I mean, I was. And there was a gentleman that lived around the block from us named Will, who was building a boat, a 36-foot sloop that he circumnavigated all around the um, Pacific on his own, no char charts, no, you know, no satellite, no nothing. But anyway, I met this guy when I was a little kid, and I would help him build the boat, and I didn't realize that, um, you know, I was, I was look well, that's what football was, too, you know, looking for yeah. authority figures or, or somebody, somebody that could give you some guidance. Like, my father was a compulsive liar, and um, so anyway, one day he was supposed to take my little brothers out on a fishing boat, and he called them up in the morning. He said, listen, kids, i got to tell you, the boat sank. Oh, and so, so my little brothers walked up to me, hey, Dad said the boat sank. I go, really? That's funny. And they were on to him, too, so no. no big loss. And it was a Sunday, and so Sunday night we were all sitting around. This is when my parents were divorced already. We were with my mother myself and my two little brothers and we're watching the news and sure enough in San Pedro the boat sank. So we're all cheering, <laughs> oh Dad! Dad, you weren't lying! <laughs> wow. The boat did sink! It really sank. Good job, Pop! Wow. So he salvaged himself for a week or two. So the boat did actually sink. Yeah, he wasn't, uh, yeah, we didn't, we weren't buying it, but yeah. then the news confirmed and we danced a jig. Yeah. We were proud of my dad for telling the truth. Wow. So that feeling that comes out when you found a, one piece of truth that you know of, how we danced and release. And yeah, it was like jubilation. It yeah. really was. And that's the same thing. So Will, you know, so Will was probably the first surrogate kind of father. And you weren't, as you, you point out, you weren't aware you were looking for a father. But no, I was aware of like, you know, collecting returnable bottles you know, in the neighborhood, and then ran into Will. And then I remember I was friends with the guy for two years. This is great parenting on my parents' part. So here's a man in his whatever, 30s, I'm seven or eight, something like that. And then I go, hey, you know, Dad, there's this guy building a boat mm -hmm. around the corner, and it's a real boat, it's a big boat. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he pawned me off, like, that, you know, okay, he's mm -hmm. probably building a canoe. And then him and my father became friends. You know, and then he was a family friend, and he'd come over, you know, Sundays for dinner and stuff like that. But it was mm -hmm. like, he was my discovery, you know. My discovery. And that was like, that's my guy, that kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, that was really good that you did that. That you found this will, and evidently he was a good man, and you felt, um, trust, he felt trustworthy to you, tell you the truth. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, he will still pulls no. I mean, he's just recently suffered a stroke, but he still pulls no punches. Mm -hmm. You know, he's um, he's a great guy. You know, he ran away from home when he was sixteen. Wow. You know, from an abusive family, and he uh, put himself through UCLA and whole nine yards. Mm. It's a pretty incredible story. It's really great that you found him, but you know the part. Symbolically, when the family, the boys did the dance about it was really true. That's an example of what a release is in a relationship. When prior to that, there were many non-releases and lies and doubts and all of that, non-trust. But when, the, when something was really true that you could grab onto, um, a release came. We dan we'll call that the jig. We danced the jig. And there's something about that's what happens 
in relationship when there's some consistency that the, we don't dance big jigs because it's still, we start to get used to the pattern of it, but there's those releases. Those little releases are coming all the time without, um, in other words, it's not something that has to be, wow, that really happened? No, this happens, in, in relationship, we don't get a lot of wows. Um, um, they become particularly, eventually, in a daily relationship with somebody, a mate, a wife, a husband. There's not a lot of wows in it, but there's that undercurrent of, I can trust you, and sure, there's some wows too. I could trust you, and there's a feeling of relief unnaturally. In other words, you're, you are, you're on the cloud of, or the bridge of um, release because you can talk and communicate, you see? So I was thinking when you said the jig, that was the exciting feel of it, but this other part in our relationship produces the mini jigs. Yeah. And that's... Um, I mean, it's, for me, it's a place of... You know, I mean, you call it you call it the work, but um, you know, it's a place where there is a certain comfort and vulnerability. I mean, but it's hard to be consistent and take it outside. Mm -hmm. You know, but I mean, you learn how to do that after a while. You know, like uh, the other week, the other lecture you gave was you were talking about counting can be. I don't, I forget how you worded it. Uh, counting? Yeah, counting can be, you know, uh, like talking to God. No, I said, what did you say? Like I said, counting is like a, could be a form of prayer. All right, I'm yeah, not that yeah. far off. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. no. no, but I've been counting yeah. lately, you know, when you said that. Mm -hmm. Like right now. No, I'm not. But I have. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it slows you down. It puts you in a different, you know, it puts you in a different way of seeing. But I've, I mean... I've been coming here a long, long time, and um, mm -hmm. and it's, um, I mean, I seriously think it saved my life, mm. oh, and I'm grateful wonderful. for that. That's wonderful. And when there's something in you, the way you found Will, that beacon, that light that's been looking, and I think there's probably been even others, that also then found me, and um, and you're beginning to build um, and that's why it's a long relationship and a long therapy that it's continually still nurturing you even at this time. I know in my own life that I was with a therapist and the only reason I'm probably not with him now is that he died suddenly. Um, but I was with him like I think about the same, around the same number that you're with. I had no idea of um, leaving him was we're right in the middle of it, he just suddenly died. But I needed that too. In other words, I didn't need a one, two year deal. I needed a long time because I didn't have some of the same things you didn't have and my father died early. And, and he wasn't, you know, he had trouble being there also. So it's interesting how that, how that works. How we're, in one way, something in us is searching for something. Even to prove we exist, in some of those other relationships, we didn't feel like we really existed. So we spend the rest of our life yeah, proving, chasing. Yeah, chasing and proving we exist. Well, the, the, another thing is, like, on the outside, if I tell somebody I've been going to 
And I don't really talk about my therapy that much on the outside, but if somebody knows that I've been seeing you for 17 years, their response is always, aren't you done? Aren't you done? You know, right. isn't that long enough? Or what are you doing? What is it about? You know, mm -hmm. and then I try and, it depends who it is, but I try and engage it at some level, but for the most part, I don't, or I say, you know, well, you know, go read this book or whatever like that. I pretty much, because you're coming in with like an attitude already, you know, like, mm -hmm. has he helped you? Mm -hmm. you know, who is this guy? Like, for instance, my mom hated you, and that would drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would drive, he doesn't even shake my hand. I'm like, mom, what do you, come on. You know, it was, yeah, she would, she didn't <coughs> like you and I, and that would really get me going. Mm. I mean, I would really, and then I put it away and then I said, all right, well, you know, my mom is a, a small, angry German lady, you know, mm. and that's just the way she is. Right. You lost your mother recently. Maybe yeah, before we end our work today, um, what, what, where are you with that at this time in your life? Well, it's what, July 7th, 2008, she passed, she died of cancer. And um, so it's two years something. It, you know, it's tough. I mean, I had a, my connection was more so growing up with my mother than my father, you know. My mom wore the pants and she had a penis and she had strong arms, you know. That was my mom. My mom was tough. But um, I miss her a lot, mm. you know, but I, I feel grateful, you know, she died at 68, mm. you know, and I was there when she died, and I had been coming to you a lot when she was, um, you know, in her throes, you know, that last month was really, really yeah. tough, but I'm all right with it now, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I think about her a lot still, and like some stuff that I have, you know, will trigger you know, tears with me and stuff like that. But, you know, she, I'm all right with her. I'm, you know, I love her mm. and I do miss her. Yeah. You know, mm. but overall, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with it. Is and it I've done some work with you about it, so. Yeah. That, that, you know, and I can't, I mean, I just can't do what she did. Yeah, that was a big loss for you. Yeah, we have worked with that. As we come to the end today of our kind of um, first podcast of a general idea of what goes on in, in this work, um, one thing you, we can see that the early, developmentally, the early relationships, mom and dad, and the dance that goes on then, if that dance is right, um, then uh, our rhythm with ourself is right too. So the wiring of that period, prenatal up to the five years old, is a crucial period. That's why I've been covering it in the other lectures. It's, it's the place where self-formation takes place. And it's all wired in. So then as we go up development, um, uh, we take it to all the next levels and all the sophisticated more and more. So today you had a little glimpse of, of kind of the repartee of this of the, our talk, but you see also the importance of relationship. Relationships that can a lot of what wrong with us went because relationship was out of whack and out of rhythm. And so part of the healing 
is the relationship, therapeutic relationship, and eventually with other people, the transference of all the old problems over to the new relationship um, becomes a way of healing. Okay, so we've, we've finished our new experiment, and I, I tell you, I, I really enjoyed it, and I was more than what I thought it would be. I get a chance to give some ideas out, but a chance also to show you my style of psychotherapy and also where it comes from, so you have a, a real idea of what's going on. So thanks for listening, and we're going to have a, a third one coming up, or second as far as, the, as, far as the, the new series, and again with Ray, and we'll do that next week, and you let me know how this is for you. So thanks for joining us, and I'll see you in a week. For the whole human race Why it's almost like being in love All the music of life seems to be Like a bell that is ringing for me And from the way that I feel When that bell starts to peal I would swear I was falling I would swear I was falling Why it's almost like being in